the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio! To the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the X Zone, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next ooh, four hours, I'm going to be your host and your guide as together we cross the time space continuum to this place that I call the X Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, all our broadcast affiliates, and on iHeartRadio. If you'd like to find out about the programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. My first guest tonight, Exxon Nation, is Delanova Star Livington, Livingstone. He is an inventor, author, philosopher, entrepreneur, webmaster, humanitarian, cosmologist, and visionaire. Now, he was born in Montreal and has lived in Winnipeg, Vancouver, Denver, Colorado, Spokane, Washington, Halifax, Nova Scotia, Calgary, and the list goes on and on and on. He ran a small flower spar mining company in Vancouver in the mid-60s, sold flowers in bars and restaurants across Canada and in Denver, Colorado, Spokane, Washington, and Ottawa from 1972 to 1984. Um, we're going to be talking to Del tonight about the revelation, the revel. The Revelatorium Revelations. Wow, that's a tongue twister, Dell. That was yep. first put up as a website in January of 1999. Welcome to the Exxon, Dell. And welcome to you, and thank you for having me on again. It's my pleasure. Let our listeners know a little bit about you. Man, you really moved around, and now you're in Brantford, Ontario. Well, I've been, I've been in Brantford now for pushing five years. I lived in Ottawa for mm-hmm. the last 35 uh, after migrating back and forth across Canada and in the States quite a few times before that. Um, 
But the long and the short of it is I, I've settled down in the sense that I'm not doing flowers in the bars and the restaurants, which is where a lot of the traveling took place. But I have been working on uh, revelatory information that started coming through uh, at the end of the 90s. And, and to bring your readers up just a wee bit, uh, we did an interview two years ago. Right. Just, uh, I think, five days before the original Alien Cosmic Conference held in Brantford. Mm-hmm in uh, June of 2015. Yeah. Uh, the presentation I made there, it was a table display. They wouldn't let me speak, cough, hack. But the table display was basically about the Revelatorium, which at that time was one book. Uh, the book is now in the two years since. Um, the original Revelatorium has been factored into two books. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is all of the information that had been in the original that dealt with the Intelligent Design of Creation is now in its own book called The Intelligent Design of Creation. What's left in the Revelatorium is now called The Revelatorium of Alpha and Omega. And then starting with the Alien Cosmic Conference uh, um, last year, again in Brantford, uh, a third book has come up now called The Radionic Ships of the Heavenly Host. And that's where all of the or main focus is right now. And that's sort of more or less what we're going to be talking about tonight. Now, what happened there is I had uh, about maybe 60 photographs um, in sort of fairly rough shape that had been taken around Ottawa, Brantford, some of them back into Vancouver um, that I, you know, had again on the table. Yeah, but and, photogra- uh, photographs of what? Sorry. Photographs of oh, what? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm jumping miles ahead. Um, the, would I, would, let, me, let me go into the uh, sort of a discussion here a bit more at this point. The, I, I'm dealing with what's called the radionic ships of the heavenly host. These differ from the UFO ships that ufologists have been following, um, you know, wanting the governments to disclose and things in the sense that the uh, um, UFOs of the ufologists side of things are from and I'm going to jump, the Revelatorium had a lot of this stuff, but I'm going to jump into it with both feet. Uh, they're from a lower fifth dimensional mm-hmm. area of just this local universe of about a thousand galaxies. The radionic ships of the heavenly host are from the upper fifth dimension, and they're from all over creation. And they differ in that the lower ships are able to come down into the third dimension where people can see them going around. The radionic ships don't come into the third dimension, but they when they come into the fourth dimension, they create a condensation of water moisture around themselves. All right, Dell, 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 slow yeah. down, take a deep so, breath. We're going to take right. a commercial break. Okay. Exonation. Right. Our guest this hour is Della Nova Star Livingstone in Brantford, Ontario. His website is radionics.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this break after a few words from our sponsors. And as Dell catches his breath, we'll be back. Don't go away. <laughs> All right. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 
401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Del, Del Star Livingstone is our guest, www.radionics.net. All right, Del, why don't you take us back to the beginning? All right, well, first of all, it's, uh, it's radionics.com, and it's two N's, like R-A-D-I-O-N-N-I-C-S. And the reason for the name is because these particular ships are magnetic. They radiate a magnetic field, and I use two N's to differentiate that word from uh, radionic uh, health instruments which are also magnetic or radio, you know, electromagnetic. So there is a, there is a distinction made there. Um, the beginning is, um, what would be a better beginning for you? How I learned about these ships or what they are? The, the website mm-hmm. itself, we discussed this at the, at the, just before the break. The website itself has about 650-odd photographs from around the world, right. a good number of them taken here in Brantford in the area, mm-hmm. uh, showing both the what are called radionic clouds, which are the magnetic reflection in the lower clouds of the ships from their magnetic fields in the fifth dimension. That's a mouthful. There's also now, which wasn't in the earlier work at all, but there's now a number of photographs of um, literally, um, uh, you know, flying saucer-like ships, but they're they're virtual. They're, they're, they're actually condensations of moisture in the shape of the ships. You can throw a baseball and it would go right through them. But, for example, on, uh, I guess it's um, star, I call them stargrams instead of chapters, but stargram uh, 17 has a photograph that was taken from the space station just about um, a month ago at the uh, middle of September, mm-hmm. and it shows three of them sitting right out there. The people that were you know, uh, putting out the photograph through the media thought they looked like smoke rings. They thought that any number of possibilities even raised the question that mm-hmm. they're radionic ships. Well, they're not radionic ships, but UFO ships. Well, I took one look and I said, well, they're radionic ships because I have a photograph that was taken in um, September, exactly two years ago in 2014, a brand who has the same, two exact same ships. That we're sitting off the space station as plain as day. Okay, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow sure, down. Sure. You're, you're going fast again, Del. Again, no, I have, no. I'm a fast talker. I have to all slow right. down. I, yeah, all right. Yeah. Now, I have to ask you something. Sure. Where did your interest in UFOs come from and radionics come from? Uh, from everything else I've read in your bio, there's, there's, no, there's no indication that you had an interest in UFOs or radionics or anything. Where did the interest come from? Well, literally, uh, now this is going back into the mid-60s, you know, the hippie era and things like that, from mm-hmm. about uh, 1965 up. Uh, the, the interest in UFOs started to become fairly predominant, and I kind of, at a point, didn't believe in them, and then I started to believe in them. And then, Why Why did you start to believe in them? Well, just, just because there was enough talk going on around at the time. This is, you know, uh, you know I won't say I was... I was in the hippie community, but I wasn't of it. There's a big difference. You know, all right, so, so you 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 became involved because of all the talk at that time. Yeah, had you yeah. at that time had you seen a UFO? Well, this is the next step. In nineteen, in the very beginning of 1971, mm-hmm. I uh, uh, you know, started participating in a series of lectures about UFOs and other matters. The revelatorium was, you know, an outcome of basically those discussions, but. Uh, and this is a quick, fun story. Uh, this would be January of uh, 71. Uh, uh, the lecture was being given up on the second floor of an apartment in Vancouver. Off the kitchen was a small patio, and three of us at a coffee break were standing out, you know, talking about what the lecture had been talking about. And it was an overcast sky. There was a young girl from, um, there was a young girl from Columbia, and there was a six foot nine fellow from Vancouver. The girl was in the process of saying with her hand over her head, every time I've seen a UFO, I felt a buzzing. She got that far. I had picked up on what looked like a saber jet uh, flying across under the clouds with mm-hmm. swept back wings. And in those days, you, you probably remember the jet trail always followed the plane by about 20 feet. Still does. You, pardon me? Still does. 
Still does? Well, yeah, it, yeah if, you, if you get good ears, but in those days, you could hear the jet trail pretty distinctly because they were always flying under the speed of sound in those days. So I went immediately to the jet trail. There's no sound. I went back to the ship. I went back. Still no sound. She's still standing there with half a sentence out. Her head, the door, kitchen door opened. The guy giving the lecture stuck his head out with a big grin and said, did you see it? Did you see the flying saucer? And went back in. So, whoa, that was kind of, all right, let's no, no, hold on carefully. here. Hold on here. Hold on here. Yeah. Uh, now I have to ask you a few questions about your sighting. Sure. Okay. The craft, it left a contrail. No, it didn't. It did. No, that's what I'm saying. Okay. It it, it left nothing. It was. Okay. It literally looked like a silver saber saber jet flying How along. How do you? Oh, okay. It looked, you know, like a spotlight from the ground on a cloud cover. You know, mm -hmm. it's doing an attraction for something, but the, the spot yeah. moves back and forth yeah. across the clouds. Mm -hmm. Well, it was identical to that. It was a saber jet, only there was no jet trail and there was certainly no sound behind it. Okay. Is so it is was it possible? Is Sorry. it possible it was an experimental craft? No. How do you know? No, no, because the guy wouldn't have stuck his head, come out from the kitchen with a big grin and saying, did you see the flying saucer and oh. going back in, who was talking about UFOs How, and what they then, are, why they're here at that exact moment. Then let me, ask, let me ask you this. Let me ask you sure. this now. Sure. Slow down again, Dell. Because I got two more incidences. All anyway. right, slow down. Now, based on the fact that the guy came out, stuck his head out, how did he know that there was something in the sky if he did not, in fact, see it? Well, it's because, and again, you're just going to, he was, and this is what was their realization, but he was in tune with those guys right oh, off the I top, see, because yeah. there are people that have been here and there and still are today, uh -huh. completely directly in tune with them. And, and he we, was, and he was being, in, he was in tune with them in order to give the information. And then he was, they sort of set forward the original um, uh, uh, disclosure about, about the radionic ships. The second time, because this will help a bit on your question there, mm -hmm. we're now talking about June of 71. I was living in downtown Vancouver in an uh, upstairs of an old Victorian house. Right. And it was, it was um, I guess, wedged in between a bunch of 20, 30-story high-rise high -rise apartment towers. So if you looked up the street, it was like a canyon. Mm -hmm. All, you know, just a little wedge of sky over top. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I was upstairs, and somebody came running up the stairs out of breath. He said, hurry, hurry, there's a UFO right overhead, right overhead. Well, I come down the stairs seven at a time, out the door, and sure enough, just like a great big molybdenite silver M&M, right in the middle between the, the two rows of, 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 of high-rises. At that instant, the party that was upstairs with me came tumbling out the door. Where is it? Where is it? And it took off just like, just bam, just like that it was gone. So he wasn't supposed to see them, and I was, because that's the way it works. You will be shown them in the third dimension if you're ready to see them. You can be there. You can look right at them. The guy beside you won't see them. Now, that's been going on for a long time. When somebody's consciousness has reached enough of level where they're going to be shown to confirm their belief and move it ahead, mm -hmm. they'll get they'll be shown it. That's why people claim they've seen them. Other people say, no, it's a bunch of bunk. When you're ready to see, and they're silver. They're like, uh, all, all they've done is, is lower their frequency to the um, visible uh, you know, band of uh, radiation, so you can actually see them, but they're virtual. There's not actually a ship there. You throw a baseball, like I say, it goes right through. So they're not solid mass. They are oh. transparent. They, but they are silver in reflection. They, they have that, a silver that, hue, but you can throw a baseball right through them. Yeah, this is in the third dimension because most of them are around in the fourth dimension. And uh, they are more in the way of, uh, uh, I don't know how to describe it. If you took, if you took a, a, a saucer-shaped UFO and you replaced it molecule by molecule with a water molecule, then you would have a perfect picture of it, but in water vapor form, mm -hmm. moisture form, rather than in metal form or whatever substance. But that's, that's exactly, their website, chapters 16 and 17, has all kinds of them, including these ones off the space station, that are, I call it condensate. They're in, they're in a condensate form. Okay. Now, there's all kinds of them up on the internet, you know, UFOs, and they're, yeah. they're condensates, uh, but people don't differentiate the difference. They just, well, you know, you know well, let, let's be honest, Del. Sure. The internet is the biggest septic tank that God has ever created. There's more <laughs> well, shit in it than anything else. There's, there's, there's a technique called wheat from the chaff. If you know, I, I mean, there's I brought, also there's also a saying that says drugs kill. I know that. I know that. You I know. stopped smoking. 
uh, absolutely categorically and undeniably in uh, February Valentine's mm. Day of 1970. Well, and by the time 71 came around, I had been, you know, cleared my consciousness because you can, six months, you can feel the after effects of that stuff coming mm -hmm. out of your system, you know, sure. day by day more and more. So by the year later, I was purged of enough of the, uh, you know, the depressive, the not depressive, but the consciousness suppressing effects uh, enough that I was able to start seeing things a lot more clearly. I was basically literally yanked out of being a hip. I, I managed a rock and roll band, a hippie rock and roll band through the through the end of the 60s. That's why I, I say I'm, I was a hippie, not of the world of hippies, but in it. Uh, and we smoked a lot, I have to say. Uh, but again, that's water under the bridge and long ago. Sure. Uh, so that's, see, the thing about marijuana, I mean, the medical mm -hmm. side, I cannot under any circumstances, uh, drop the the uh, um, uh, significance of medical marijuana because I've seen it happen, and even to myself, it does what it's supposed to as far as medical is concerned. Sure, but recreational use is a no-no. Yeah, because it 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 dissipates your energy, it drops your frequency rather than brings it out. And in particular, there's a lot of uh, you've probably heard this expression, native psychic astral imposition. You know the negative stuff that comes in. You know, you've talked with people that talk about that. Well, marijuana, when you're using it for uh, frivolous reasons, will allow that stuff to come in. If you go to, when you go into, if you're stoned, if you're stoned, mm -hmm. if you're stoned, you go into like a club or somebody else, it feels warm and inviting. That's yeah. why the hippie club. But if you're straight, you're not a smoker, and you go into those places, they feel cold and clammy. And mm -hmm. there's your tip-off right there. Wow. They feel cold and clammy. The same place. Okay, so let's get back to the uh, let's get back to the uh, the ships here. Well, now, 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 the most interesting one. This happened in '73 when I was down in Denver. The lecturer was now giving lectures down in Denver. Uh, uh, this is over a period of about a year, and some of us had come down from Vancouver. Now we're going to go back up to Vancouver. So the morning we were leaving, he held a, a barbecue in the backyard as a send off. This is around, you know, 10, 11 in the morning, you know, 10 in the morning, 11 and so on. Right overhead, about a thousand feet up, there was an absolutely perfect cigar-shaped cloud with fuzzy, uh, you know, um, vibrating edges. Right. It wasn't a cumulus cloud. It was the only cloud in the sky. That's the key. There was nothing else in the sky, clear blue, except for this one long cloud. About 11 o'clock, said, well, all right, I guess we go. So the ones of us going back to Vancouver... Hot in the car, we headed north on I think it was I forty or whatever it was, due north out of Denver. Right. We and they decided that he and his wife hopped in their station wagon and came out behind us to give us a send off. We come out about forty miles. That cloud was right over top of their car. Hmm. Now, at that point, they waved, honked, and did a U turn back over the meridian and headed straight back into Denver, and the cloud went straight back with them. Now, I, I found a, a photograph, it's in chapter 15, I guess, of the radionics.com, that was almost identical to, um, uh, you know, to the cloud that I saw down in Denver, except that it has a few cumulus clouds around, too, but take away those, you have exactly what was looking at. But it went straight back into Denver with him. What I'm saying is that this guy was in a drain. He was the feet on the ground. All right, Dell, stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network and iHeartRadio. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And for all the programming on Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net and simultv.com. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. 
www.radionics.com. That's R-A-D-I-O-N-N-I-C-S.com is uh, Dell, uh, Dell Star Livingstone's website. And, um, okay, so where, what is the difference as where UFOs come from and where these radionic ships come from? Well, there's there's pretty well a uh, you know fairly big chunk of a, of another discussion down the road, which I'll save off until the next interview. Um, the, everybody has heard about the Luciferian rebellion without knowing, or Lucifer, blah, blah, especially the religious people, without having a good idea what's going on there. The real short and skinny version is that five billion years ago, in this local sector of a thousand solar systems. Uh, the administrator of it, who was uh, name was Lucifer, a Lanadonadic's son. Uh, the bottom line of creation throughout creation is the fifth dimension. There is no life in the third dimension anywhere. If you go through the revelatorium and and uh, intelligent design, I'll explain why, but there's a perfectly good reason. Anyway, he had figured out a way to be able to bring uh, life down into the third dimension presumably in his view, to speed up the evolutionary processes and, and, and help things along. He was told not to proceed because those steps would interfere with steps that would be coming in down the road, mm-hmm. namely now, and so not to do it. But free will is sacrificing. Even the highest of the highest of the highest uh, beings in creation have free will to do whatever. Uh, usually they work with the creators and not against them. But Lucifer decided this is such a good idea, I'm not going to let it go. So his free will choice was to go ahead and do it anyway. And it caused a lot of problems. It was officially called the Luciferian self-will rebellion. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. ...of the cosmic overplus. Self-will because what he did was instead of your consciousness being of love and service to the creators, which is the whole principle of Christ, you know, the Christ principle, what Jesus was teaching 2,000 years ago, without getting religious because they don't know what really happened then. But nonetheless, he said, well, if we orient the consciousness to this outer ego self, we can boost it up and then make it a standalone that can go back up into the fifth dimension and be free from their obligation or ties to the rest of creation as a standalone entity. And that's why it was called a self-willed rebellion. And that's what they did. They did it and they ran. The rebellion was allowed to run on, uh, you know, uh, on its own until 2000 years ago when it was finally reached a point of stagnant dead end where nothing more could come out of it that was in any way useful. So Christ on the Mount put an end to it. At that point, all of the UFOs that have been running around that had been generating out of these lesser Luciferian frequencies, there was about a thousand of them on Earth, they were quarantined here. They can't get out because the Van Allen radiation belt won't allow teleportonic jumps. Now, most of the people that are into UFOs know that there's... Slow down, Dell. Slow down. Take a breath. Slow down. Most of the people that you, uh, or a lot of the people you read on the internet are aware of the fact there is a quarantine of some kind in effect. Well, the the UFOologists are looking at these ships, mm-hmm. which can come down into the third dimension. They do abduct because they're trying to find a, uh, a way through the DNA, human DNA, to see if they can get out of that quarantine. And so it goes. The radionic ships mm-hmm. of the heavenly host, and there's your key, the heavenly host, because these are the same ones that have been throughout the Bible. The Bible talks, if you do a Google search for clouds in the Bible, you'll you'll get couple of dozen different links, different um, results. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, clouds here, clouds there. Uh, you know, we who are on the ground will be, or alive, will be taken up with those in the clouds. You know, when he cometh again, he returneth, he will come with clouds and so okay. on. Okay, all right. Well, we're going to take, yeah. take a breather here because <laughs> you're going way too fast again. Oh, my goodness. All right. All right. Now, you've got to go slow. All right. Yeah. Because people, my producer can't understand what you're saying. And if he can't understand, our listeners aren't going to understand. Understand. All right. Okay, now I have to ask you, and I want you to take your time answering these questions. Where did you get this information from about the radionic ships? And, you know, the billion years ago and the... Where did you get this information? Well, uh, 
the 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 teachings that took place at the early 70s uh the point or the purpose of the teachings was to teach you how to become your own source of information by asking and and being able to uh, understand your responses okay now what courses well this was there was a christ it's called a christ teaching christ teachings uh uh, teach you how to. It, it, the Bible says, "Ask and you shall receive." Uh, it also says, um, at, "Ask and I will answer," because I'm closer in hands and feet. Mm-hmm. What these refer to is the fact that you do have a mechanism through your higher consciousness that uh, will uh, bring that information to you on the spot. Then taking it up a step further, where the prophets uh, all, uh, you know, uh, receive their information and so on by. Uh, is that the information will be brought down from the higher dimension mm-hmm. into your higher consciousness, which will bring it down into your outer consciousness, where you see it as a vision or uh, an insight but, or various things right, like that. All right, so let now, me add, whoa, 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 slow down here, slow down. Ahead. How do we know that the information that you're getting is not a manifestation of your own... Uh, well, your imagination own, and so yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, cause always confirms itself in effect. How? And that's a good one, because uh, if you're not sure of it, you first of all sometimes you'll get an extreme certainty of that feeling. You'll, mm-hmm. you'll get a yes or no. Uh, and if you watch things happen, it's, it's happened to me countless times, down the road, it gets confirmed by something that goes on in the outer world uh, all the time. And that's that's one of the main ways. Um, the, this, see, people say, are you channeling? No, I'm not. This has nothing to do with channeling. Uh, it's called it's a, it's called Meltes- Melchizedek attunement in consciousness, and it means it's a direct thought transfer. I get the thought. It's my job. I call myself a wordsmith. If you go through the Radionic website, you'll see oh, okay, the Okay, now slow down here again, 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 again. Hold on here. Sure. Who do you get this information from? Well, it, 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 it comes... I'm, I, I, I know I've had some... A good part of this has come from the Melchizedek worlds and the Mangelatic clouds. Some of it has come from Nebadon, which is the capital of this galaxy. Oh, okay, now some, let me ask you... So how to, so well, let me ask so you... On. Hold on here. Let me ask you. How do you yeah, know? How do you know the name of the capital of this galaxy? Well, it's it's it's, it's it, again. It's uh, that's there's now. This is not where I got the names from, but uh, for example, uh, there, a lot of people are aware of the Arantia book, which uh, has some good information in it. Uh, it also has a lot of misleading information, but mm-hmm. it gave those names at one time. Uh, those names have come around again. Versa, for example, is the headquarters of this local super universe. And I know that I, I, I have a an attunement straight out there. It, it's not like it's not like I get the I get the message and it came from there. I just get the message. I get, uh, you know, it's uh, there are people now calling the term download. I've heard that term now used by quite a few people in the last year and a half. They call it downloads. They get a new piece of information, um, and it's up to them to sort the wheat from the chaff. The reason, again, the importance of the fact that I had stopped smoking marijuana. Because if you're still smoking marijuana, you can't tell the real ones from the illusionary ones because right. you're correct about that. Mm-hmm. If you're smoking pot, you can have all kinds of wonderful and wild, huge illuminations that are straight out of your imagination because pot will do that. You know, so uh, I, I, the, the, the way to, to how the, the, the radionics information now has come together as it currently exists, mm-hmm. I, I had by now been living in... Uh, Ottawa, uh, from the 70s up until the early 90s, I had done nothing with the information and had not spent any time musing with and so on. I did notice, without any uh, reason to wonder what was going on, I did notice that the skies often had crisscrossing lines all over the place, sometimes like broken glass. But in 1994, all of a sudden, those are the magnetic cloud reflections of the radionic ships. Ah, picture was clear as a bell, instantly. Clear as a bell. And what happens is that these, sh- I, I use the term anchor ships for lack of another, it works. Um, two of these ships will come in, they'll set up 180 degrees apart from each other. One will be a magnetic, uh, 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 negative magnetic pole, the other will be a positive pole, mm-hmm. just like a bar magnet on the table. And they'll set up a magnetic field between them. It could, in some cases, be hundreds of miles apart, sometimes quite close. But they'll send up a magnetic. Well, hold on, hold on here, hold on here. Let us let us say that there that there are two hypothetical ships. One is a emanating a, a positive, yep. and the other is a negative. What would happen if an aircraft flew in between those two poles? 
absolutely nothing. Oh, you're wrong. You are wrong. You are wrong, sir, because if, in fact, there is a reversal of the polarity in the in the poles, you know, the jet engines would stop. Rob, no, no, Rob, that's a beautiful question to ask because in chapter, in chapter two, I can't remember which figure it is, of, of the Stargram 2 of the Radionic website, there's a picture of one of these magnetic clouds. They're always vertical. These anchor ship ones are vertical. Oh. They have an apex point uh, just off, you know, mm -hmm. 10, 15, 20 degrees off the horizon. Yeah. And right up the middle of it, there's a contrail that's a perfect spiral. A, a jet plane contrail, it's an absolute corkscrew spiral. If you go, and that was one, you don't get the two at the same time very often, but in this particular case, I was able to get the, the positive pole one in the 180 degrees in the opposite direction, and there was the contrail coming down, uh, you know, right down into the apex. Now he's on the way to Buffalo or wherever the heck it was. So, so you but, took this picture yourself? Yeah, yeah I, I, a good number of the pictures in this uh, web, website I took myself, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's quite a few lately, uh, some really good ones that have just come in recently by people that have seen the website and said, hey, but wait a minute, I, I've, I've got some of those. I just got a bunch in five or six days ago from a fellow in Medicine Hat. He probably sent me about 20. He's been photographing without having a clue uh, since 2012, just because he knew they were different than clouds. Uh, and the first, I've got four of them in the website now. And the first one in there is from all the way back to 2012. Let me ask you this question. Have you had a meteorologist look at these pictures? And if so, what have they said? Well, I haven't had meteorologists, but I have most, not most people, but people look at it and say, them's chemtrails. No, no, I'm, wait a sec, wait a sec. If you, if you're, wait a sec, wait a sec, hold on here. If you're calling them clouds, why haven't you had them authenticated as either clouds or not clouds by members of the scientific community? Well, well, all right. That's that's. I haven't taken the step to do it. I have sent the information out uh, to a few, but never got any replies back. Um, but the thing is, you have to look. You have to go to the website. The first page, the introduction page, will show you right then and there. These are not your normal meteorological events. But once again. Why don't you have that well, validated? Well, that's a point. You know, you make a valid point. I've never thought of doing that because I didn't think I'd need to, but maybe so, you know. Did you expect it's people so, to take your word for, you know, your words as the gospel? Well, this is what they are? This, this is, the, the, the website reinforces itself. I have a picture over here in, in chapter three, and all of a sudden now there's one way over in chapter 15 that's mm -hmm. literally identical to that one on opposite sides of the planet, three years apart, identical. Not identical. They can't be identical, but they're close enough that they're they're like uh, kissing cousins, and and I've done that all the way through the website, reference one back to the other to build that unification. See, there's some there's some pictures in there that I agreed. You know, somebody might argue it well, but there's some in there that are so dead bang it's impossible to say. Well, hmm, that's not something else. Why not? We well, don't it's because it's just the 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 the. the but your, your expertise... It sits so well with what has been said. Yes, 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 but hold on. No, that's true. Hold it's on still here. not scientific. Hold yet. on. We've got to take our final break. We'll be right back. Sure. Right. ExoNation, uh, we'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the ExoNation from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Whatever you do, don't go away. We'll be back wrapping this hour up. including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. www.radionics.com is the website. Delanova Star Livingstone is our special guest. He's an inventor, author, philosopher, entrepreneur, webmaster, humanitarian, cosmologist, and visionaire. Once again, www.radionics.com. Okay. Uh, Um, If I can, with the time we have left, can I give one more sort of small story, because it will help take it out of the need to have it scientifically. It oh, I hope so. Job. Oh, I hope but, so. But but uh, I had, uh, this is now pushing 2014, I had befriended through the internet, because he had spotted some of this stuff, a friend in um, uh, uh, Kambala, Uganda, who had sent me actually uh, four or five pictures that he'd taken, again going back uh, 2013, 2012, and so on. But we had also been discussing these nighttime uh, downloadings, and he sent me a fairly long email one day and said he had a a fairly interesting uh, event the night before. He had been talking at length with somebody who was queuing him up about something. I I have no idea what it was. But anyway, when he was finished, he says, I'm going to have to tell Dallin over that. And the party in, in the vision said, ah, he said, say hello to Delanova for me while he sh- waves with his right hand. And that was the end. So he sent me that. That's a very odd communication. The point of it is, though, that I had moved from Ottawa after seeing these crisscrossing. By 1994, I knew what they were. Uh, but I had been in Ottawa without doing anything about it again because it wasn't time yet, evidently, all the way through to 2013. Beginning of 2013, I moved to Brantford. And for... A, a year, 14, 15 months, there was nothing in the sky whatsoever. And I thought, oh, no, left them all behind in, in Ottawa and, you know, whatever. So 11 days after I got that email from my friend in Kampala, I woke up one morning out the back window. There's one sitting wall to wall. First one I saw in Brantford. Absolutely magnificent. Wall to wall. You know, one one end to the other. And, oh, my goodness. Light bulb didn't go off. The next morning, it was still there. The light bulb went off, so I went out and waved with my right hand. Now, that's pretty tough to put down into well, a, a you know, scientific inquiry. Well, I, I've had my producer and one of our researchers go through your website and look at the pictures of the clouds, and they're just serious clouds. Uh, that's because the, the ionic uh, magnetic effect takes place in the serious cause, because most of the time you don't see them. Even though the ship is there, it's only when a, a, a serious or serious cloud moisturization mm-hmm. moves through, they'll change into the, into the magnetic field um, uh, reflection. And then when that moisture moves through, it's gone again. And that's why you never very seldom see both at the same time, because you'll see the, the, the right-hand one, call it right-hand one, and then it'll come and go, and then the left-hand one, because the yeah. cloud keeps on moving, will suddenly flare up and they'll be gone. This could, they can come and go within 20 minutes. Well, you know, Some I, of them will my producer, my producer, hours at a time. My producer and researchers also sent me a website to go and check uh, out. That's the NOAA, uh, the NASA Skywatcher chart. And there are a number of clouds that look like the clouds that you have on your website. I'm well, not saying they're the exact same pictures, but the clouds are similar and there's nothing spectacular about them. So I'm having a hard time understanding how well, you can actually associate something with Armageddon, with clouds, with Jesus, with with super well, it's, galaxies it's, it's, it's and UFOs. It's sort of a matter of knowing what you're looking for. A lot of the, well, let's say a lot, some of the photographs on the mm-hmm. website have come out of uh, Google searches or, or Bing or any of them for uh, um, uh, uh, chemtrails. Uh, sky photos, uh-huh. uh, cloud photos, and so on. And I can look through 500 and boom, there's one. 
Then I go through, I look through tens of thousands of these on, on the internet, and boom, there's a second. They stick but, out every but, now all and then. Right, all right, so, so at the end of the day, what difference will it make in anybody's life? Oh, well, <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting question. Uh, as you may have or not had discussions with people on air about the fact that the consciousness of mankind is, is, is going up higher and higher all the time, uh-huh. rapidly, ever since the Mayan calendar through the end of the 90s and 2012. You know, you know that supposedly mankind is going through quite an expansion in consciousness. Yeah, well, it's called evolution. Oh. Okay, go yeah, on. Well, that's great. All right, sure. agreed. Same thing. All right. Uh, that it's now ready for mankind as a whole. A lot of people believe in the higher dimensions without having uh, much of an idea what they might be, but they believe in higher dimensions. Uh, the mass consciousness, I call them the, the, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Walmart, still don't. But their consciousness is going up higher and higher too, and the point is going to be reached fairly soon when uh, uh, an understanding or an acceptance of the fact of higher dimensions will start to becoming or start coming in as part of that picture. Let me ask you a so, question. Hypothetically, what happens if everybody who believes in these higher dimensions and the multiverses and everything else like this in the New Age genre is wrong? Well, hmm. <laughs> that's a very good question, but I can't answer that to say that... See, don't forget, you know, faith is a good part of a lot of this, but again, like I say, cause confirms itself in effect. What I'm saying by that is that the changes that are going on that have been predicted, some of them since the 60s and so on, mm-hmm. the Mayan calendar was obviously long before that. Whoa, 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 wait uh, a sec, wait a sec. The Mayan calendar, according to the New Age gurus, was going to be the end of the world because the well, Mayan I, calendar ended up in on December the 21st, 2012. 21st, that was just a yeah. bunch of bunk. You know, it was this whole thing with the Mayan well, calendar here's, was here's perpetrated by a bunch of people on drugs, for God's here's sake. The thing. Here's the thing. Nothing took place in the outer you know, world vision, but at yeah. exactly two hours before midnight on the 20th, mm-hmm. all right, just exactly as though it was uh, New York City Times Square at 12 o'clock midnight, yeah. a huge, in, I call it interdimensional cheer went up, just like a huge, you know, cheer and throwing and hats and everything all around the world. Because well, wait a sec, wait a sec. My show was that, live that night. We did a 24-hour period live, and we had people yeah. from around the world, re- and the report was nothing happened. I know because they they weren't they weren't picking up on the on the on the cheer because it was only the people whose consciousnesses were attuned high enough, oh, really? and I consider mine to be mm-hmm. enough to be able to pick up that particular frequency. What again? This is again. How do you prove it? But uh, we had just finished a twenty-five thousand-year cycle of twelve dispensations. Uh, the Piscean Age was the last two thousand years. That was the Piscean dispensation. Dispensations are two thousand year periods because new energy is released into the evolution at that point. How do we, we know that? How do we know that? How do we know that? The everything well, that we're talking. This is this is all. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. When you're talking about ancient writings, you're talking about writings that were done by people who who had a very limited knowledge about the the world around them. They thought the world was flat, for God's sake. Yeah, no, that some still do. <laughs> yeah, well, some, those fact, are the people who deserve to be in the insane asylum, you know? First, first fifth dimension is flat. It's not the fourth, the third dimension is oh, flat. First, fifth dimension give is flat. But that's, again, a, some another side of things. <laughs> anyway, anyway, the, 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 you know, how, how do I put it? Just because the fact that most people don't, get this kind of information shouldn't dismiss the possibility that some do but the, the big the problem is the do big are what are slowly raising the big the problem of is the big problem is is those who claim to have the information do not put it across as anything that could be taken seriously no because because the, the, the matters of the, of the higher dimension can't be shown in, except by analogy or by example and i consider these radionic ships a perfect example can't be shown in the third dimension it's not. It's not something of the physical plane. Engineers disdain the idea. Okay. So what you're saying Engineers is what you're saying idea. is you know they got to have wheat on the ground. What and you're saying. Hand, what you're you saying know. is that in order to believe that these ships do exist, you have to believe unconditionally. And if you believe unconditionally, then you're a believer, and everyone who uses rationale and a scientific way of looking at things or gathering evidence is wrong. Uh, no, you don't have to believe it unconditionally, but if you start having a bit of a belief in it, it uh, at least to a point, 
more of it will start coming in, more of it will start, and the next thing you know, you do see the picture. That, that's the way it works, and it doesn't yeah. happen for everybody, but it, it, it's an inevitable process. Once you start, you just have to have that one tiny little finger through the, you know, th- you know, through the through the dark web of, of having that tiny bit of belief because that allows the rest to start coming through. And I'm not guaranteeing that anybody's going to have that happen. All I'm saying is that without that belief, at least a little bit, it can't happen. It's as simple as that. And the scientific community of all of uh, are, are, are the most afflicted by the fact that they cannot accept anything that isn't in a test tube laboratory. Well, they're not the only ones because 93% of the population doesn't believe. Well, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, at the beginning of the 60s, if you believed in astrology, mm-hmm. you're a kook. At the end of the '60s, if you didn't believe in astrology, you were a square. Oh, They're I don't know about that. Start. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't still. You know, I know many people who do not believe in astrology. Still, yeah, no, but the 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 the, math, the general population mm-hmm. moved from utter unacceptance of the possibility of astrology into a sort of a general okay acceptance of astrology through the hippie movement in the end of the '70s. Now, now, just about everybody talks about astrology sort of as part of conversation. Uh, not where I come That's from. That's a start. That's a start. All right. Thanks very much for joining us tonight, Dell. It's been a rather interesting conversation, to say the least. Thanks very much, Craig, for saving me on this one. Uh, hippie, drug use, clouds, UFOs, radionic ships. I don't know. I really don't know. Not to mention the dog whining in the background. On a scale of 1 to 10, minus 39. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Whatever you do, don't go away, I promise. We'll be back. family style deal because i want a bite of your big mac and i need some of your quarter pound i'll try your filet of fish there's a deal for every friend group at mcdonald's order any two classics for just six bucks price of participation may vary single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer